This time it's Dana going to bring our special. Thank you. 
Aren't you glad Jesus loves you? And uh, what a treat. What a treat. All right. Uh, that is great. Uh, man, uh, that is neat. Thanks for using your imagination, Miss Dina, and uh, incorporating all of that in there. I, I guess it was you and uh, that uh, got all that. That's a neat, neat little ensemble. Family Matters is our uh, theme, will be our series for the next several Sundays, looking at about six different topics and uh, kind of go over the gist of some of those in just a second as we introduce this series. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm blown away by the goodness of God. Uh, he is so good. And I want to go ahead and say this, that uh, maybe, I, I, I know this, I've learned to try never to take my marriage for granted. Even though that I'm a pastor, and it may you may think that a pastor's marriage will be bliss all the time. And uh, let me say it's not, it's work. Matter of fact, that's the last point of the message, marriage is work. And uh, it is an institution given by God. That's where we're going to start out in just a second. So you can, uh, whether you're uh, following up here or on your own, in your inside your Bible, I encourage you to bring your Bible and to open it and mark your scriptures. Make your Bible yours. That's what I, I believe in. This is a copy of the inspired Word of God. It's, a, it's you know, how many copies can you print? Well, you can print a bunch of them. <laughs> And uh, everybody should have one, have one. I, I like using technology. I, I've got technology just, and I use everything. I use everything I can get, but I don't, there's something about it. I've, I've, I've preached from my iPad. I've preached from my uh, tablet. I've preached from this. I've, I've, but something about, and I've read, I read from my phone. I read from my tablet, but there's just something about holding that, that paper and ink. All of it's the Word of God, every bit of it. So it doesn't matter. What you use or what you have, read your Bible. Read your Bible and look at it. So Genesis chapter 2, and uh, we'll look at a few verses there. And the institution of marriage. Marriage is great. Now, for the next 30 minutes or so, I've got uh, that I'll, I'll keep you, and, and I'm usually pretty timely, so I'm gonna, I've got a, a lot of ground to cover. And uh, so it, marriage matters. As a matter of fact, the subtitle is Point Blank Truth Concerning Biblical Marriage. I'm not really going to solve anybody's problems up here, but I am going to point you to the source for solving your problems. I'm going to point you in the right direction in the biblical basis. I'm going to talk about the morality of marriage. We're going to talk about something that's very accepted in Ashley County and uh, that, that it is a sin. Now, I'm just going to have to... Uh, this sermon's not going to be rated G. I'm just going to have to, I can't apologize for the Word of God. I've just got to speak the Word of God. And so it's going to be a PG-13 sermon because the Bible says point blank that sex outside of marriage is wrong. It's a sin. We like to, yeah, we like to sugarcoat that and maybe say, well, preacher, uh, yeah, we're living in different times. Well, God's Word doesn't change and so, I'm, and I, the thing is, I'm not to, um, you know, somebody may think, well, I'm, after 
such and such or this or that. No, no, I'm just trying to just trying to lay it out there for you. And so, no ulterior, ulterior motives. You can ask my wife. I don't ever have ulterior motives. Just uh, just just lay it out there. And I don't get hints. So I don't drop hints. I don't give hints. I don't get hints. Somebody drops a hint. It'll go right over my head and uh, just have to communicate clearly. And that's what I'm trying to do here is to communicate clearly. Never take, uh, by the way, and we're going to look at several uh, different things and, and what matters. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, uh, that, that not only marriages matter, but kids matter. Uh, not only that uh, kids matter, but singles matter, grandparents matter, parenting matters. Uh, these are some of the topics that we'll be looking at a little bit later on in this series. And so whether you're single, how do you serve the Lord if you're single here this morning? How do you serve the Lord if you're looking to get married? How do you serve the Lord if you've been married for 40 years and, and all of these things? And so, matter of fact, I ran, this is still January and making New Year's resolutions and I ran it, so I want to look at marriage. Marriage has ups and downs, and I just want to start out this morning with a, uh, before we get started with our scripture and prayer, and uh, just take a humorous look at what marriage can be, is, and just reality. This is reality. So, Kenneth, go ahead and uh, roll this short video, and we'll take a look at it together. We've been married for 40 years, but who's counting? And for 40 years, we've been making these adorable little resolutions. And my first resolution this year is to let Frank be a better husband. This year, I resolved not to do these resolutions anymore. I've resolved to no longer feel disappointed. And I'm okay with the fact that Frank is not the man he used to be. I just mean that going to the gym is hard, and me being okay with the fact that you're never going to go again, ever, makes it easier. I have a bad back. Well, that doesn't get you out of everything. What does that mean? Nothing. Nothing at all. I think last year Frank made a resolution to believe that everything in the house fixes itself. This year my biggest resolution is to make Betty think people actually like her cooking. Oh, and you know, that's funny, because this year I'm resolved to let you do your own cooking. What? Yeah, I'm going to be a big enough woman to let you be your own man. But I'm not my own man. And I'm resolved to be okay with that. But I I like your cooking. You do? Of course I do. Have I, have I ever said I didn't like your cooking? Yeah, just now. I said people. I, I didn't say me. Well, do you like it? You never told me that. Then this year I resolve to tell you... How much I appreciate your cooking. Well, look at you. One for three. <laughs> I love you. Mm, I love you, too. Mm. <laughs> Do you think you could resolve to brush your teeth after you drink the coffee? Mm, yeah, if you could resolve to stop burning every You got to work on some communication there, don't we? And uh, communication's important. Genesis chapter 2. Let's look at that. They've been married a long time, and there's many couples in here who've been married a long time. Marriages work, and I guarantee you, whether you're on your first marriage or second marriage or whatever, marriages work. And I'm just dealing with reality. And there's, we have mixed homes, broken homes, and by that I mean 
they've been married and she's been married and whatever and and maybe you have couples in here that's been married and and they've been married 50 years we have several in here that's been married 50 years uh, matter of fact since i'm celebrating marriage this morning and i hate to put them on the spot but if you've been married in here for more than 50 years would you please stand would you please honor us this morning by standing Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate you, and I honor you this morning, and I thank you for setting an example for us, And uh, because marriage is work, and it is a lot of it, it ups and downs, and we need examples. Folks, don't we? We need examples to look to, and there's nothing wrong with that, and so... I appreciate it. Let's all stand for the reading of God's holy word. Genesis chapter 2. Wake you up. Get your exercise. And uh, Genesis chapter 2. The very first marriage ceremony was short. Then the ladies got a hold of it. And uh, so, and they got longer. The Lord, he, he just had a short one, short ceremony. And I just want to read uh, uh, beginning with verse 21 here this morning. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He slept, took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Here's the, the real key. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Let's pray. Father, help us as we go through this series of messages, and I pray that something that we share would be an encouragement to others. May your word be lifted up. May your name be glorified. And may your Son have all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. The instant families matter because God says they do. The institution of marriage today, even in the great state of Arkansas, is controversial. Isn't that something? But did y'all know this? It's not controversial to God. Have you ever thought about that? God's not, he's not worried about it. And of course, I am referring to the, uh, getting a little AC. I am referring to the, about, is marriage between one man and one You know, think about this. If I'm going to talk about marriage, we have to go all the way back and say, well, what makes a marriage? Because today, and would you even say, especially in the last 10 years, the definition of marriage has been under attack. I mean, our society, and I know it all across the, the world, down through the years, the definition of marriage has always been something that somebody wants to change. You know why? Because they want to make themselves feel better. They want, to make, they want it to fit their situation uh, quickly here. 
He is the creator and designer of marriage. There are Old Testament scriptures concerning marriage in the book of Leviticus. If you're reading your Bible through in a year, you may be in Leviticus. I don't know if you're there yet, depending on uh, what pattern you picked on reading your Bible through. Leviticus is not the most exciting book in the world. If you're having trouble going to sleep, grab it, okay? Uh, it's got a lot of laws in it, and uh, but they're in there, and they're very important. In Leviticus 18.22, it simply says this, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. So that's, of course, talking. you say, well, that's the Old Testament preacher. We're not under the law anymore. Well, okay, I know that. Well, let's head to the book of, let's head to the New Testament then. In the book of Romans, uh, chapter 1, and verse 26 and 27, the, uh, Paul still, all of these things, matter of fact, uh, uh, all of the laws, especially the Ten Commandments, were repeated in the New Testament, uh, except for the Sabbath law. And uh, so all of the moral laws were repeated, so they're all still good, not lying, committing adultery. All these things. So this this is wrong. Now this goes for men and women. Now we have to address this. It's so it's kind of like this. Uh, you know, people want to make say, well, uh, they want to use logic to try to uh, rationalize that this is okay. This is acceptable. God made me this way. Well, no, no. That's just that's making an assumption. They say, I was born this way. Okay, well, but what if somebody was born to, to be a pedophile? Or what if someone was born to be a mass murderer? God, you could literally claim, God, you could use that logic if you wanted to for anything. God made me to be a mass murderer. God made me to uh, do this, you know, think of some devious lifestyle. You could just fill in the blank any way you wanted to on that. You cannot use that logic Because you could just put anything you wanted to in there. God made me, you know. So that logic won't hold up. The only way we can know right and wrong is from God's Word. And so it says here in Romans chapter 1, verse 26, uh, just simply we got to uh, get through this uh, because this is, we got a lot of ground to cover. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And it means the same sin, the same error. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust toward one another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meet, it means necessary. And so, uh, so we're dealing with that. So the design of marriage is this. The design of marriage is for one man and one woman to join together in holy wedlock and holy union. That's the nature. God came up with that design, not a man. He performed the first marriage ceremony. And so it's his, he created it. He came up with it. And matter of fact, he answered the question, why I even have this at all? It is not good for a man to be alone. 
and uh, we need help. Amen. <laughs> and they, women can amen on that. Matter of fact, a lot of t- times people, I think it's just a, a, a habit. Maybe we started saying it one day. The, they say, well, the women are help me. That's not, that's not one word. In the Bible, it's two words. God made a help. If you have a King James Bible, it says a help meet. That means fitting or applicable to him. He made a help for him. He made uh, somebody to be at his side. And so now let's continue on with the design of marriage. And that is, what does God's word say about? Now this, just, I mean, this is ever since uh, the fall of Adam and Eve. God left inside of man the nature to reproduce. And men have been struggling with that nature, uh, a, a sexual desire, ever since. And uh, women likewise, but it's different. Most of theirs, women are attracted in their heart. Men are attracted with their eyeballs. And it, it has been tainted by sin. And so there's errors. So we rationalize it's okay. we got to address this because... I mean, this is just uh, common in every place in the world, and that's just simply sex outside of marriage. Is sex outside of marriage wrong? Uh, quickly, First Corinthians uh, chapter 7, and then we'll back up just a smidgen. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2. The Word of God says this, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, that means sex outside of marriage, let every man have his own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. And then if you skip down, because there's a lot he's covering here, in verse 9, he says this. He's basically saying, hey, listen, if you could serve God alone or by yourself, that'd be fine. That'd be great. But if you can't do it, he says, verse 9, but if you cannot contain, that means control yourself, you need it because they say, what he's saying here, people will rationalize saying, well, it's okay if it's they both love each other. No, 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 no. If you cannot control your desire, you need to get married. <laughs> you need, as a matter of fact, uh, there was a couple one time I met had uh, admired. They came to me very honest. Um, he was in uh, Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, and uh, a young man and serving our country, and he said. Uh, his name was Jason and, and his uh, wife because he said, Brother Michael, we realized we were, we were making a mistake. And we went ahead and got married. But they came back to Texas and they said, we want to have a church wedding. We, so because, but we went ahead and got married because we, we were under tremendous conviction. I said, I admired the honesty that they shared with me. And this, that's what this scripture is. And they said, we need to get married. We've got to get married. If you back up, it's still talking about all the same thing in the context, just because there's no chapters and verses. When Paul wrote the book of Corinthians in chapter uh, 6, verse 18, he said, flee fornication because it'll affect your body. It'll affect you and so on and so forth. Uh, so the institution of marriage just flew through there and some of the do's and don'ts and how God designed it. Marriage should be for a lifetime. 
I put in your bulletin, divorce is a failure, but failure is not final. In other words, what this means is, is that it's, uh, it's not God's design. Does God allow for divorce? Because I put in there, now, there's no way I can cover divorce because that's a big subject. And it is in the Bible and it's covered in detail in the next five minutes. Can't do it. So I'm just going to sum up some things. Brother Michael, please explain. Is it God's design that one man, one woman... This is this God's initial design. One man, one woman get married. Boom. They stay married for a lifetime till death do us part. Yes, that's God's design. So if we get out of that, it's a failure. It's like saying it's I don't want to admit that I failed. But folks, we fail. Things break. Things fall apart. God doesn't want it to. God doesn't want uh, a spouse to uh, be unfaithful to the other one. God doesn't want a spouse to do wrong. God doesn't want a, spou- a, a lost person and a saved person to marry. God doesn't want that. But sometimes that happens. Can God take a bad situation and make something good out of it? Yes, He can. He can do that. He can take, but that's his ultimate. You don't say, well, I'll tell you what, honey, let's get married and, hey, let's be sure and plan for the divorce. You know, I've never really met a couple who went ahead and planned for the divorce. Now there are, Nowadays, it almost is planned because you have prenuptial agreements and this and that and this. And, you know, and you, It's almost like planning for failure. So when we fail, when we get tired of each other, when you burn the toast, I'm going to have it in writing what I can do. You know, so, you know, it, it, it's... But that's not how... I mean, why go in that? It's kind of like saying... Uh, when, Whenever we uh, have an agreement, say, well, when it messes up, you know, no, no, I, I don't want it to mess up. I want it to be for a lifetime. And so that's what it should be. Matter of fact, uh, Jesus says this. That's the design. Now, can God, you know, I can, as I shared many, many times, I saw how God took my mom's bad situation. I say my mom because I lived with her. And uh, so I didn't get the experience from my, from my dad's side. But I saw how God took a bad situation with my mom and made something good out of it. How? Well, she started going back to church. And lo and behold, if me and Dana didn't get saved. Wow, that's a good thing. And, but it came about because when you get knocked down, the only way you can do is look up. Jesus said this in Matthew 5.32. He says, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, uh, adultery, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Which means this, they had easy divorces back then. And God's, basically Jesus is saying, I, I want you to stay married if at all possible. And so, but I, again, we can't stay there. Thank the Lord for the power of, of his grace no matter what you're facing in life the book of first john chapter one simply says this if we <clears throat> excuse me if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and um, and also the words of john and john six thirty seven, 37 uh john says jesus said this as a matter of fact, I went ahead and some of these, I said, you know, I'm going to start when Jesus is speaking, put it in red letters. I'm not used to not do that on the board. But I, he says, 
whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And so uh, it should be for a lifetime. So quickly here, hey, there's no way, you know, and, and I've got you for another 12, 15 minutes or so. But listen, there's no way I, I can solve anybody's problems from, from the pulpit. Problems have to be solved in your marriage or whether it be a counselor. Matter of fact, I ran into some great uh, advice this week and uh, some tools for counseling tools. I'm really looking forward to, to uh, following up on those. But uh, uh, in a marriage, you, you can't solve them from a distance. You have to solve them face-to-face. Today, I was talking to somebody uh, earlier this week or the week before, and we were talking about, you know, these kids are growing up, and we were talking, talking about these devices. There's nothing wrong with these devices, but kids are growing up in a texting world. And we've lost the, we're, excuse me, we're losing the ability to look face-to-face with someone and solve problems. And it's, I don't know where that's headed with the younger generation. You cannot solve problems with a text. You can try you might can solve where did you lose your cheese, okay? You know, that kind of problem. That'd be about it. You know, where did you lose what your lunch or something like that? that but you, personal problems, you solve, the, you know, at least talk to each other. But the best way is face-to-face. And that's in life and marriages, at work or wherever. And that's a tough one to do. Uh, because it's, it's a lot of people don't want to communicate <laughs> kind of like the the couple that we were looking at and so quickly here marriage is about faithfulness matter of fact some people have said this let's head on to ephesians chapter 5 as you're hanging out there we're just going to look at uh, verse 23 through 25 not that whole section but uh as you're headed there think about this who instituted marriage god did How much does God think about your marriage? No matter what you have now, whether you've been divorced once, twice, five times, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you've been married a month or a hundred years. I preach this and preach this and preach this. You cannot live in the past. You can learn from it. Take what you have now. Take your marriage, your singleness, your whatever, and say, God, how can I live for you now? How, or excuse me, what do you want me to do now? That is the biggest and the most important statement and question you can give to God. God, I give what I have to you. I don't, again, there's, we live in a broken world. With broken hearts and broken homes of which I grew up in. I, I, I know that. And so when I preach, thank the Lord we can preach with grace. So, and hey, listen here. Now some people, some people may, because they've been married 50 years. Now not everybody's this way, obviously. Some people may look down on somebody. Well, they, they done messed up. And we become self-righteous if we've not had the same mistakes as other people. 
And we should not do that. Jesus did not look down upon others who had mistakes and failures in their life. He did not. Neither should we. We should not look down upon someone because of their mistake or their failure. We should reach out the way Jesus did with grace and love and offer it to other people the same way he did. And he's all, again, the ultimate goal is, is God's design. And that's the way we should, and so whether, no matter what, no matter what mistakes or sins we have in our life, you say, God, I realize I come to you a broken person with a broken home, a broken heart, a broken marriage, and, and place it at your feet. So no matter what you have, no matter where you're at in life, would you give it to God this morning? And say, God, I give you my heart, my home, my singleness, my marriage. I want to serve you. No matter what it is, you cannot change the past. And so we look here at this scripture here. And so I want you to serve God with everything you have. God so highly thinks of marriage, he compared the church to a bride and Jesus the groom. Have you ever thought about that? No, that's valuing marriage. That's valuing the institution of marriage. That that God says, I'm going to compare the bride, the church. Now, the bride's not in existence yet. We're just believers, a part of a local church. And that's, again, another sermon. But the bride will be, that marriage, the Bible describes it, taking place in heaven. So that will happen in the future. And it's, it's a neat subject to talk about. But we should strive the same way, spiritually and physically. Does God want you to be faithful to your spouse? Yes. Does God want you to be faithful to Him? Yes. Let's look at it real quick. And in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, and excuse me, chapter 5, in this uh, little scripture, and then we'll run to James. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. The Word of God says this, For the husband is head of the wife, even, it means in leadership, even as the Christ is the head of the church and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, look at this, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything, which means following his leadership. But then it says, Husbands, I need you to love your wives. Enough that you would lay down your life for them. That's verse 25. Uh, So that's pretty powerful scriptures concerning faithfulness. James says this in James chapter 4 and verse 4. He said, uh, you adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world, is the enemy of God. And so what that scripture says is that God is comparing, hey, listen, God expects me to be faithful to Karen. He also expects me to be faithful to him. And if I put anything ahead of God, God's saying I've committed spiritual adultery. Ouch. You adult, know you not that friendship of the world is enmity? Basically, I'm saying, it's kind of like, have you ever, just, and teenagers know all about this, drama. <laughs> oh, they're my friend. They're not my friend anymore. <laughs> God actually says, I want you to be my friend. 
And if he sees you hugging up to the world, in other words, putting stuff ahead of him, he's saying, where'd you go? What happened? And so that's important. The greatest thing that we can do is to work at it. We live in a fallen, sinful world. Marriage is work. There's a great challenge here. Matter of fact, uh, let's all head to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And, uh, and, I, and I went ahead because of the, uh, the smoothness and the beauty of the language here. I went ahead and changed my own screen to the ESB version. Because just the smoothness of it here. And we say this, love is patient. We say love is kind. We say love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. So if we want marriage, whether you're going to get married or whether you're married now, love doesn't provoke. Love does is patient. You don't rush a person to change. So many times we'll say, well, they'll change when we get married. Well, you can't change them. God can. <laughs> but, you know, matter of fact, my wife has made this statement one time. She said, my marriage became so much happier when I realized I couldn't change Michael. And she was referring to, of course, things like uh, my selective hearing. <laughs> or, notice I didn't say hard of hearing, just selective hearing. Or, you know, my speed, I don't, I don't move as fast as she likes. You know, but I'm, I'm telling her, I'm, I got two speeds, slow and slower, and I'm in top gear now, okay? I don't move as fast as she would like, okay? And so she became patient. Love is kind. Love, while patience is a lack of a nasty reaction, kindness is a positive reaction. Have you ever thought about that? Patience is a lack of a nasty reaction. Kindness is a positive reaction. All right, so moving on to the next one. Love is not rude. Love is not rude, and and there's so many things too often we reserve. We're polite to people outside of our family, but we'll be rude to our spouse. That'll be the first one we're mean to or toward. Moving on to some of these others in verse uh, 6 and 7. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no records of wrongs, but rejoices with truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Some of these I want to hit on real quick. You know, uh, it delights not in evil, but rejoices in truth. And... uh, (laughs) I like that part, love does not rejoice in evil, but rejoices in truth. Do you remember the honeymoon? Uh, well, I'm really talking about the when you first got married. And you look at your spouse and you say, you're God's gift to me. You're the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. Honey, sweet pie, sugar bunch. I love you so much. Ever what time period later? The problem is with you. You're the problem. Do you realize how much money you've spent? 
You know, that's the, probably the communication and money. That's the two biggest problems in marriage. And sometimes those are so intertwined you can't get them apart. But we love is patient and kind and, and rejoices not in fault finding but in truth. And yeah, truth may be somebody spent too much money. But you have enough love that you can you can endure. You cannot be rude. Love is not rude. Love is kind. Love is patient. But I love that last part. Love, and this is with God, isn't it? What does that last part say? What was the very last part of 8a? Love never fails. Thank the Lord. Before you leave this room this morning, if you're, if you're married, tell your spouse you love them. Karen, I love you. I can say that publicly. I kissed her publicly. I still kiss her publicly. The Bible says, and I think it's Ecclesiastes. I get my Ecclesiastes and Proverbs mixed up, but to rejoice in the wife of my youth. I'm still rejoicing. Whether you're young or young at heart, our kids need direction. And I asked our 50 uh, anniversary people to stand up. Our kids need role models. You are a good or bad role model. Whether you say, I'm, I, don't, I refuse to be a role model. You just did. You're, you just made one. You just modeled. You just modeled a role. See, we all are. We can't, it's, it's not a, it came when you were born. You're a role model. And people are watching you. How you love, how you're kind, how you treat each other. Because how you treat your wife is the way God wants His church treated about that faithful love as we prepare for him invitation let's pray father i thank you for this time to share just in the best we can to say marriage matters it is important and father that you would work in our church and dear lord you don't expect us to be perfect you just expect us to love each other, to forgive each other, because that's what you did for us. That's what you did for us. In Jesus' name, amen.